welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right, which happens through valued, empowered employees. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning blogger, and keynote speaker, passionate to help you humanize business to achieve real results. On today's episode, you'll hear my guest, Adam Tapork talk about how companies, including entrepreneurs and small businesses, can win through CX. He dives deep into the topic of emotions and ways to remove friction to get customers and keep them loyal. What does friction mean? How do you provide a hassle-free experience? Get out your notepad because you're going to hear a lot of actionable tips so that you are really doing CX right. Let's get on with the show. Hello, Adam. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Stacy, I am so happy to be here. How are you? I'm doing well. I am really grateful for you because we think a lot alike when it comes to customer experience and taking a very complicated concept that we, we bring it to the basics. We really humanize it so that people really can do what I call doing CX right and this show is about. Do you agree that there's 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 this common way we look about it? Yeah, 100%. You know, you and I have done some uh, clubhouses together. We've talked separately and I think we definitely have a similar approach. And also I think that we can get to sort of, we can drown ourselves in the details of CX or so much, particularly with technology. And often it is uh, good to apply Occam's razor and just figure out what is the, uh, the, the simplest solution possible. Yes. So before we go further, I want to take a moment to introduce who you are, what do you do and a fun fact about you. Fun fact. Does that mean I have to have fun? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Fun. <laughs> I, I can talk about CX all day. The fun fact one always stumps me. All right. Well, I'm Adam uh, Toporek. I've been uh, doing CX most of my life. Really, I'm a third generation entrepreneur. So my grandfather had a Main Street shoe store. Both my father and mother uh, were entrepreneurs and had uh, businesses. And I grew up in those, working in all three of those. And then as I got older and into my own career. I ended up as a small business owner in retail and I learned executing business. You know, I have an MBA, a business degree also, um, you know, that CX and before people were really talking about CX, that CX was the most important thing, that the how the customer felt that centering the business around the customer was the most important thing. So I took those lessons. I started blogging over 10 years ago now and um, then became a keynote speaker and a customer service trainer. And that is what I do today. Um, So I do a lot of training. Uh, Keynote speaking obviously has been a little bit different since we're uh, coming out of the pandemic right now. So it's been a different a different kind of year and a half for that. A lot of virtual. Uh, But that's it. So and I really focus on showing companies how to use customer emotion and how to maximize the human uh, parts of their customer experience. Fun yes. fact. <laughs> you want the fun fact? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how fun it is, but um, it's a very random. I was once, I played the young father, like, well, I won't say how long ago, but many, many years ago, I played the young father in a commercial for a real estate company in the city I was living in. 
Completely random how that happened, but that's my fun fact. I like that. And there's also a fun fact you're completely forgetting, which is about your creativity work that you're doing oh. now. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I'm doing, uh, I did a short film during the pandemic. I am writing uh, right now like four short stories and a couple of novellas and some other short films. So yeah, I, I also, and music as well. So I do a lot of artistic stuff on the side. You called me, you got me. I'm so glad I could help you with your fun fact about you. <laughs> Thank you for making me seem more fun than I am. <laughs> you absolutely are. So let's talk about doing CX right. And particularly, most people think big business, like CX is just for big companies. But that's not the truth. Small companies, entrepreneurs, it's important for them too. Tell me your views on this. Well, hundred percent. And you know, that historically things are shifting and changing, the balance is shifting and changing. But historically, that was the advantage small business had over big business was customer experience, more personalized customer service, less rules and policies to impede the customer service. You know, more personal, getting to know the customer, right? On a first name basis. Hey Bill, hey Sally. Right. That was that was the advantage that small business had over big business. So it has always been a source of competitive advantage. I think the form, how that is true now is shifting because big business is getting so, and not, let's be very clear, not every big business, <laughs> that is for sure. But big business is getting so good at customer experience, particularly using technology to reduce friction um, that I think, and we can talk about this in more depth today, but you know, small business is having to find ways to even differentiate itself further. But I can tell you this, when you look at the ways a small business can differentiate itself, not only from big business, but from other small businesses, from their, you know, if it's a restaurant, from the restaurant on the other corner, whatever it may be, experience is almost always going to be a huge part of that because they're not going to win on price. You know, they're not going to win on scale or any of the things that come with scale. Mm -hmm. It's going to be experience, you know, 95 times out of 100. So let's talk about friction, because that's a word that people, the definition outside the CX world, friction has something, a different meaning to us. Yeah, I, I, I don't know Einstein's like definition of it, like the, <laughs> the, physics, the physics one. I don't know that. I, all I know is customer experience. <laughs> Exactly. But let's let's talk about for people who are new to CX and even people that are have more advanced knowledge, what do you do with friction? How do you avoid it? What are some actionable things to to address that? Oh, absolutely. And it's a hugely important topic. I, I want to dig into a few definitions really quickly because I actually don't talk about friction the way other customer experience people do. I talk about hassle. Uh, and the reason I talk about hassle first and foremost is because I believe customer emotion, and I alluded to this earlier, is the most important aspect of customer experience. So I talk about hassle because it's an emotional response. It's how we feel. So even my speech uh, about um, reducing hassle in the journey is like the hassle-free uh, journey, something like that. Uh, now, friction or effort, which became you know very in vogue a few years ago with Matt Dixon, the customer effort score. All those things to me are components of hassle. They're things that lead to hassle. Uh, so I, I tend to look at it that way. But when we start talking about friction 
and effort and all of these things, what we want to look at is how do we make a journey as hassle-free as possible? And what are the things that create friction in the journey? And what types of friction are the most emotionally resonant? Which types of friction are the things that create negative emotions? Because mm-hmm. I, I look at customer experience, and literally you talked about simplifying. I, uh, I, I sometimes get looks from executives sometimes because my theory in customer experience is your goal is twofold, and that is it. It is prevent negative emotion and help generate positive emotion. That's it. It's that simple. Now, it's not that simple doing it. <laughs> yes. So if I'm let's say a small business or a leader within a company, and we know that we want to reduce, minimize, avoid hassle. So what would you advise me to do? Where do oh, I begin? Uh, how long is this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> give me right, one I'll, or two goodies. Yes. Yeah, I'll, give, I'll give you three bullet points real quick. Okay. Right. The first thing is policies and procedures. You've got to look at your policies and procedures and ask, one, what is the benefit of these policies and procedures? Why do we still have them? Because we have, I actually came up with a term like six years ago called rule accretion. And what that means is the natural state of an organization is to continue to accumulate rules. Something happens, we make a rule to prevent it. Something else happens, we make a rule to prevent it. And what happens is it only happened once. It's never happened again, and not because of the rule. It never was going to happen again. But we have this rule that impedes the customer experience. So the first thing I recommend companies do is audit everything. Audit all your policies and procedures. Why do we have it? What is the benefit of having it? What is the impact on the customer experience? And when you look at that, what you're going to find is you have a ton of policies and a ton of procedures that negatively impact the customer, negatively impact the employee, or in most cases, both, (laughs) right? So that's number one. So policies and procedures. Next one is technology. We mentioned that as a differentiator between, um, you know, big business and small business, but technology is either usually the greatest source of hassle or the greatest reducer of hassle, right? So you've, uh, we use uh, the way uh, companies nowadays, we're using technology to reduce friction. We're using te- well, I mean, that's the thing. You now have to compete with, you know, I can order Amazon walking to my car, <laughs> right, from the front door on my way to work. Like, oh, wait, I need something. Boom. It's on my app. Like, it'll be here tomorrow or the next day. Uh, that's technology reducing friction. Uh, creating friction is when you have a legacy system in your business that is from, you know, I don't know, 1987, <laughs> right? Yes. And your, your staff is still using a screen with green blips on it. <laughs> yes. Right? And that type of thing. And, and the same for the customer-facing technology. So when it doesn't work, when it hasn't scaled to the nature of your business, when you haven't kept up, which, look, is not easy. It takes capital investment. It takes projecting years out to know where the technology is going to be because you don't want to, by the time it's implemented, it's already behind, right? So it's not easy, but you have to always understand the role technology plays in hassle. Well, that's two. I sort of talked a lot on this. So. Yeah, well, one, one comment about technology, I believe it's really important that people understand that technology has to enhance customer experiences. You can't replace human connection. And I see a lot of times that companies are leaning on technology to to replace. And so there's that fine line and there's that balance between the real core human connection. 
What do you think of that? The first question I ask any company is, what's your industry? Um, and that's because that my answer to that question will depend on the industry. I, I don't want to talk to somebody when I order paper towels on Amazon at this point. Right. Um, so in that in that case, I don't care um, when I go to I don't know, when I go to a restaurant, I do want to have some human interaction. Um, so it, it depends on the industry, depends what the service is. But th this I will say, no matter what your industry, the way we are wired and I look at sort of evolutionary biology and how we respond to other humans, how we respond to apps. Now, maybe AI will be in virtual presence will be good enough in the future to fake out a human or it already is, but to really fake out a human. But right now, the most emotionally resonant experiences will be human to human. Okay, you're not going to, I'm not, you know, you think about the times you were most thrilled with a company or most angry with a company. Almost always it was based on a human interaction. Now, the anger can come from a non-human interaction some because you could just be so frustrated with like the phone tree or the fact that they got your, you know, you've been dealing with something for two weeks. Um, but it's, it's almost almost always going to be that human interaction. So de depending on the mix you have, and I, I talk about digital integration instead of transformation because I believe it's important to make the two seamless, but depending on the mix you have, you still have to realize that the human touch points, even if they are 1% of your touch points, when they happen are crucial and they need to be well-trained and they need to be you know, well-designed and so forth. Yes. I also believe that we have to empower employees when mistakes happen and, and personalize that too. Because I think about when I was in a restaurant and the waiter spilled um, some pretty messy stuff on my white coat. And <laughs> I love that he didn't have to actually go get permission to do what he did. He was empowered to obviously apologize and give me, he gave me um, uh, on, his, on a pad his phone number and his name and information. He said, please, when you go to the dry cleaner, call me, I will take care of it. And gave me some, you know, uh, uh, promos to come back. Please come back on me. Like all of this in the moment to rectify. And so he wasn't, he didn't have to go to top management to get permission. He was empowered on the spot to do what was right. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, that's a, I, I have a speech for empowerment. It's like a third of the speech because it's so important. Um, and I think people under or business owners and leaders underestimate the damage that is done by not solving something in real time. The cost, yes. forget the damage, the cost of not solving something in real time, the cost of delaying, having to go back to it, having to escalate it sometimes because uh, now it's worse because you didn't fix it on the spot because now I've hassled you. You're having to call the restaurant. Oh, wait, you're getting the hostess in the middle of Friday night rush hour. You're trying to get the manager to talk to you. They weren't there during the day. And what is, who's going to pay for my jacket? All that, but that was all solved because they, I mean, stuff's going to happen. Drinks are going to get spilled or whatever, right? But they solved it right on the spot. And and we can talk a lot about empowerment if you want, but there, there's a lot to empowerment. It's very difficult, but it's incredibly crucial to good customer experience. It is. So with all this that we talked about, hassle, we talked about um, empowerment and the culture and 
technology's role. How do you, one of the things that's hard to, to position CX in the importance is that there's not really a very clear impact on dollars the way, the way like an e-commerce channel is. What happens when, when someone says to you, well, why should I in, invest? What, are you, what do you have them think about? Because again, it's not, it's not so simple to show you did X and it produced Y. How do you get a leader to actually buy in to things that you're suggesting? It's not easy always and depends on the leader, right? It depends if the leader needs hard data to make a decision. If the leader needs uh, A plus B equals C kind of data and they've never done CX, well, the best you're going to do is have the industry, you know, have overall data. Here's what CX can result in. You start talking about, you know, share price, things like that. Some of the macro studies like Bruce Temkin has done. Um you start talking about industry data, if you can find it or you've worked in that industry before, uh, and if you have comp- competitive data. And But in the end, if they haven't done it, it's a hard sell. The way I connect the dots is what do, do you is trying to find data on retention. OK, what yeah. what does reten- what is the economic value of a one percent increase in retention? What is uh, the mm-hmm. economic value of a five percent increase in retention? OK. If we invest in CX, what can we expect based on, you know, sort of these outside kind of uh, data sets? And I think to me, that's the best way to draw a numerical line when there is not a numerical line that you can point to. Right. Uh, But it's all it's, it's always a challenge. Some a lot of leaders understand it intuitively and know that they don't aren't going to get uh, A plus B equals C kind of, um, you know, guarantee on their CX investment. Uh, So I think it partially just depends on the leader. Yeah, I would also add that I'm a big fan of pilot programs. So let's set, you know, a a, a goal and this is what it's going to take. Let's do something really small and then show the value, get the investment and scale. And I find that really works in organizations where people didn't understand, but then they got it. And that's really helped my cause. So I think both what you're saying and then pilot programs really, uh, you know, test, testing and showing the value. Yeah, anything you can do to test is great. I mean, the, you know, it's harder in a smaller, medium-sized organization because yes. the test is almost the size of what you need to do anyways. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think when you start getting you know, sort of large, medium and large, yeah, I think that can really be useful. Yes. Any yeah. other advice that you have for, again, that entrepreneur, small business, or there's a lot of times small teams within a big company who are trying to make a movement. Anything else that comes to mind when I say doing CX right that comes to you? I'll say two levels. One is get the fundamentals locked in. Make sure the experience you have is designed. It's not accidental. It's not the experience you inherited. Um, but assu- assuming you sort of got the basics locked in and uh, people are doing, you know, returning calls and things like this, right? Um, really look at your industry and your competition and say, how do we use experience to win? That's, what, that's our, our theme at customersatstick.com is win with experience, 
right? How do we use experience to differentiate ourselves from the competition, to create a, an experience that is so much better, so much different, right? That the price doesn't matter, that we're going to, that they're going to forgive the small mistakes and that they're not even going to think about leaving. And that's uh, to me how you can use how small business can use experiences. Really know know the experience of your competitors, know the experience of your industry, and take lessons from other industries as well to do what I just said. I also like to, and I can't help it as as we are CX professionals. I walk around the world, even as a consumer, I'm looking at everything. I, I can't help but say that was a great experience. That was awful. This is what, you know, is a best practice. I got to bring back to my, you know, to my work. Do you find doing the same thing and that generates also makes you better as well? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we we always have our like uh, CX lenses on. And even though I don't really apply that to like servers, people are like, don't you get annoyed? I'm like, actually, no, I'm much more patient probably because I know how hard it is. Um, yes. But yeah, I mean, I think you can, you can, if you, if you pay attention, whatever, think of the, just the emails you get. I mean, like I think anybody could learn from what Delta did during the pandemic about how to treat your customers in a loyalty program. Like I think you could be in any industry that you have, where you have a loyalty program and you could learn something from how they handled it. Cause they were, I'm a Delta person and they were incredible. Yes. And guess what? Then you tell others just like now and then it amplifies. So <laughs> the power of doing it right. Um, yes. But I also I also bring up the fact that, you know, leaders listening to this, that, you know, walk, walk in your customer's shoes and even as you go through life, think about how do you want to experience your brand? And I think that really helps with the empathy Never mind the academic and the frameworks. Just put on your customer's shoes, right? Hundred percent. Be careful because you may like different shoes than your customer. So don't don't, don't extrapolate too, don't extrapolate too yes. much. But you need you need to do it. And I'll tell you what people don't talk enough about: uh, walk in your employees' shoes. Yes. Uh, because understand like what they have to what they have to. Do. We talked about the policies and procedures and reducing hassle. Understand what they have to do to do their job, understand how illogical some of it probably is, but it, it sounded logical up on the ninth floor <laughs> when everybody, when, uh, right. When, when, uh, somebody from the legal team said, Oh, we need to do this and we just did it. Um, but it's, it's affecting customer experience. So I a hundred percent say, you know, uh, old Tom Peters management by walking around, but walk through the journey to of both EX and CX. I love that. And I want to add in one more thing to the EX, which is how important it is to be aware of the diversity of the teams and how that can be a really good, the differences can make you really strong. But when you're not recognizing that and not acknowledging the individuality and the value as a team, you're only as strong as your weakest link. I think that's the that's the right saying. So if if everybody is 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 it's important that I know diversity and inclusion is such a big topic now, but when you talk about employee experience, that that acknowledgement of the employee experience in the way they want the experience, and then that diversity of thought can be so incredible. A hundred percent. And I would say 
just because somebody's quiet doesn't mean they don't have good ideas. Because some people are much more vocal than others. So you really want to make a proactive effort to yeah. get the opinions of everyone else, to understand the perspective of, it depends on the size of your team. If it's 50,000 people, then you're going you're gonna to have to find a sample set, right? Um, yes. But you know, if you have a team of 10 or 20 or 30 people, you really understand the perspectives of everyone on it and use that in you know, trying to find a realistic balance between EX and CX and the, the whole package, right? Definitely. So final two questions for you. Uh-oh. If I had many, many leaders in my room, some of the top-notch brands, their CEOs and midsize and entrepreneurs as well, they're in my room and you can give them one piece of advice, what would be that lasting impression you want them to remember? I've already touched on it, so it's going to be a little repetitive, but it, it is understand the importance of emotion in your customer journey because it will define your customer journey. It will define whether your customers stick or don't stick. And it will make the difference between whether you can create relationships or not that will be a competitive advantage uh, in the marketplace. So focus on emotion in the journey. Yes. And I, and I would say a lot of times people are like, well, how do you know? And the answer is ask your customer and, you know, talk to them and also talk to your front line who interacts with the customer as well. But caution, don't replace the employee feedback. They're not the customer. You need to marry it together. 100%. And you know, mix anecdotal data with you know, qualitative data and all that good stuff. Yes, definitely. Good point. And then my final question for you, if you could go back in time, what you know today what would you tell the younger Adam? Let's say he's about 20 years old. What would you tell? 20, what would you say? 20. Ooh, that's a tough age. Hmm. I, it doesn't matter nearly as much as you think it does. Mm. It doesn't matter if little uh, Sally likes you. <laughs> it doesn't matter if little Johnny likes you. It doesn't matter if... Uh, you got to be in one class. No one cares after your first job. No one cares about the one class either way. Um, most of yeah. it most of it does not matter nearly as much as you think. All the stress, um, all of it, it's just uh, ridiculous when you get older. So just if you could remember while you're young that it's ridiculous, you will uh, have a lot less stress in your uh, young life. <laughs> yes, but then even think about our older life. And sweating the small stuff and the things that we say today really ruined our day in a, in a, in a week, in a year from now, will it matter? So, so it's not just, you know, the younger self, it's, it's today too, like really focus on what's important and what will matter in in a year or longer, what will, right? Agreed. I mean, I think uh, for me, I mean, it's pretty much everybody that's young and then it's some adults, right? (laughs) Like some people learn as they get older not to worry about this stuff and uh, some people don't. So if you're in the adult category and you still worry about this stuff, (laughs) relax. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Exactly. (laughs) It's going to be okay. Uh, I guess if my younger self was young now, I'd say uh, turn off your phone. That would be my new advice. (laughs) Yes. Although set up an alert when you have a customer calling. (laughs) 
<laughs> like yeah, so, so, that is a catch. So have some kind of emergency breakthrough for them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you, Adam. I really enjoyed the time with you. And I know that people listening are going to learn something wonderful from you. Uh, Well, thank you. Appreciate you having me. And thanks for teaching the world how to do CX right. Yes. Until next time, have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple, it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, Doing CX Right.